Hey there, welcome to season one of Liminal Spaces podcast. My name is Debbie. Here we talk about the impact of liminal spaces in our lives, why they matter, and how we can navigate and thrive when we bump up against them. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Stina Boucher on the power of practicing intentional presence. Stina is bilingual, Swedish, founding partner of Bloom Creative Playground, and currently works at a Swedish lifestyle boutique. In this second part, she continues sharing her personal journey of what the experience of recovering from burnout has been like and shares concrete insight and wisdom for people who are on the verge of burnout or in the midst of recovery. How has this whole experience influenced your decision-making process or your relationships? Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, I've never been able to understand introverts as good as I do now. <laughs> That's maybe why we're so good friends now, David. And the funny thing is actually, I still do get... I am an extrovert. I still get energy from people. Mm. Uh, it has to be in a certain settings. I When I say that, it's mostly like people that I know well and... Mm. Uh, in smaller groups right. can't be too noisy mm. i can still enjoy it if it's super noisy and stuff but it sucks energy so that, that that's what i mean like that i can really understand introverts more because right. before it didn't take my energy at all in that way but one thing that i've learned is that and i don't know if i'm using the right terms and everything and mm. um but with emotional rest and mental rest is mm. something different and hmm. I'm going to try to explain a little bit, yeah. but I have a neighbor that has helped me a lot on the journey. He has also gone through a very severe burnout and he has given me so many advice and tips and walked with me through, uh, out this journey. And, um, when I, um, started my sick leave and stuff, it's like, you hear a lot of people like just do things that makes you happy. <laughs> kind yeah. of. that's what you yeah. hear a lot mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit tricky because things that makes you happy can still be very tiring for your brain true uh, True. and I think everyone can relate to that but we don't think it about in the same connection all the time mm. and I had to plan things into my schedule that I knew were mentally resting for me mm. uh, and in the beginning I thought they were equal, emotional and mentally resting whatsoever. But just to give an example, uh, I like to uh, paint, for example, but more to just be like, oh, I, I don't paint a lot at all, but uh, it's fun, you know, right. to paint. Yeah. Uh, but that could be very, it could give me a lot of joy to paint because you get to be creative and you have, uh, you get to just sit there and like make something or whatever. So I thought, oh, to do creative things will give me mental rest. Mm. The problem was if I was trying to make a really beautiful picture as I was painting, Mm. it didn't give me mental rest. Emotional, it gave me rest, if you say so, because it gave me like happy feelings and I felt at peace and stuff. Mm. But in my brain, my brain had to work a lot because I was trying to get it as nice as possible because maybe I was making a birthday card for my mom or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wanted it to be, end up as nice as possible. 
So I used a lot of energy. But for example, another day, I just took the, the color that I have and a paper and I just like started to like make something really silly and acting like a little small kid and it didn't mm. have to end up being anything on, on the paper. It didn't mm. have to look like anything. And afterwards, I'd been sitting there for one or two hours. It, it, I just felt so rested in my brain mm. because I didn't force myself to do something super productive or it had to end up being something very specific. Or Wow. Uh, mm. So I had to like divide that up. Mm. And... Not saying that it's bad to do something that's only emotionally resting or whatever. And mm. it's the same thing with meeting people. Um, every day I had to think about, uh, and I, I went to a course actually, a stress school, they called it. Mm. They talked a lot about like energy money, kind of. <laughs> uh, if you have 100 mm. energy money or currency every day and you use up 80 on one activity, you cannot use up another 80 the same day because then you'll be minus on the account because you only have 100 per day, right? So good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so analogy. the hard part with this is to realize what does take energy for your brain and how do you gain energy mm. and how do you juggle that tension. Mm. Yeah. And I had to think about those things. So for mm. me... I realize gardening is a thing that makes me rest mentally. Mm. And just another example also is like with resting, like mm. picking blueberries in the forest. Yes, Debbie has been <laughs> with me. She knows how it, is, how it goes. You can yes. end up getting ticks. That's a little bit... <laughs> no, or getting great pie made by yeah, Stina, which was my also. experience. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Because you, you mentioned in the bio that I like to pick blueberries yeah. actually that is since the burnout that I started to do that I, didn't, I never went to the forest before at all wow okay. uh, and what I was going to say about that example is that I get a lot more rested going out picking blueberries than sitting in a couch looking at a documentary or a TV show hmm. and I think sometimes we get tricked about that and maybe if we really think about it we understand why but often when we think we're going to rest and we have a restful day or a restful evening, whatever, we think physical rest and the brain still, you still, um, how do you say, uh, you still give the brain tons of information. Mm. And yes. when you sit down and watch TV, you yes. give your brain tons of information. Absolutely. So just a little bit to think about, it's like that is not, necessarily the most effective way to rest your brain right. when i go out and pick blueberries i slow down i'm out in nature and i think it's something healing in general with nature but just that the fact that things go so much slower, the information pace that filters through your brain is so much slower. Uh, and you pick for me, it's very effective that I pick blueberries because I feel that I'm doing something. I feel right. like I'm productive. But it's very repetitive, but not in a boring way because I move spot, you know. Yeah. Rest really doesn't mean that you have to be physically resting your legs. Like, yeah, there is times when you need to rest your legs. And I know that there are some people that have works today where you really use your body a lot. Yeah. But for the most part, we have... We are, moving ourselves way too little and that is part of why there's so high burnout because you're mm. using a brain way more than using a body yeah and yeah. so to also like and it doesn't mean that you have to yeah that's mm. in a whole other topic but i also know like that uh, exercise and working out is like 
one of the best medications for burnout. Mm. It's like they talk about it over and over and over again. You go to mm. a doctor and you go to, I went to this stress uh, school and it, they talk a lot about it. Being present in the moment and with mindfulness. Mm. Uh, uh, it's interesting because mindfulness in English, if I would translate it to Swedish, mm. uh, we call it medveten närvaro and it literally means uh, intentional presence. I so love that. And I, I think it's something that I, I had to practice. Mm. I wanted, you know how we talk about, oh, women are so good with multitasking and men are not so good. <laughs> and this is going to be, of course, recorded. So now everyone's going to hear that. But I have, I think we have something to learn from men when it comes to this. <laughs> no, but I think we make it so high in society today that multitasking is something such a good thing. Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's always bad. It's really good at times. And like, yeah, but uh, we should not praise it too much because I also think we're making a trap for ourselves. Hmm. And what, why I'm saying that is because like we have our computer, we're on our phones, we're cooking the dinner, we're, you know, like hmm. also running around doing the laundry and then we do this and then we yes. do that and then we try to uh, make a phone call in the midst of that and then I write this email that I forgot to do and instead of doing one thing at a time and f- like start one thing and finish one thing and hmm. then go to the next and to re- be really present in the moment where you are at or even Mm. sitting and having conversation with a person and think about oh yeah and then I have to go to the uh, car mechanic because I have to do that and then I have to pick up this and then I have to do that and not be present in the conversation that you're having and I think it's so much about like we need to practice and how do you practice intentional presence I think it's about the small thing it's like very detailed it almost becomes silly in the moment uh, but if we're able to practice this, we will be able to use it in another way. Because I think we're too much in society today. We are the opposite, you know. Yes. We're t- somewhere totally other place than where we are and what we're doing. But if you're able to be in the present, like now when you're peeling your potato... That you can feel the water, that you can think about the shape of the potato, oh, so that you can good. think about the peel, how it looks like, and all these things instead of trying to do all these plans. Then you're actually doing your your brain a favor because you're taking that space to just kind of pause a little bit and be in the very present. Even if it's quite boring to think about potato peel, <laughs> it can be very restful and like a little bit in the moment and oh, this is so good i think we give space for for god and f- to to speak also mm. we just pause a little moment and it kind of gives that space and that peace that is needed sometimes for him to also come and do something with us or speak to us or he said mm. practicing intentional presence was mm. something that uh, changed in your lifestyle so what would be if you think about your journey from the very beginning with this season like Mm. what would be something you would say to someone that is on the is stressed out secondly what would be something that you would say to someone that's actually in that season of i'm burnt out i'm waiting for healing this is my 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 life right now yeah i mean it is hard to just jump into like oh and yeah exactly what to say but there is a few things that i'm thinking about uh and one thing actually is very very basic uh and it 
you might heard it so many times before, but really think about what it means uh, for you, uh, especially now in the first group of people, like if you're on the verge of being burnt out or you're just very stressed. I always heard this, it's okay to say no. Um, and for me, that didn't mean so much because I didn't want to say no. There was never a problem. Mm, mm, uh, yeah. Because people said that because they think that I only say yes to please people. And right. I am a people pleaser, sure. But it's very connected with that I also love to do the things that I did say yes to and the things mm. that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so for me, I couldn't never relate to that. Like, oh, it's okay to say no. Like, mm. I would have needed to hear, you have to say no. Mm. And that's a difference. Because I just felt like, oh, it's okay to say no. Oh, thank you for saying that. But that's okay. I will do this anyway. <laughs> like... I enjoy it. It's life-giving right. for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then you have to say no. Uh, and of course, depends on what kind of person you are. But I would have needed to hear that. And that brings me into the next point is also to get, get help to set up boundaries. Mm. Like, get somebody to help you. Like, it's, you know, the whole picture of that we are the body of Christ. Mm. One is a foot, one is a hand, one, you know, right. it's a, it's a great picture that describes that we are all different. We have different skills. We have different abilities. And there is people in your surroundings that is probably very strict with their boundaries. And you're probably very different from those persons. But what if you could get help from them? Mm. Just if they could have a little bit of their view into your life and you can learn from them in that way hmm. because i think if you only talk with people that are thinking like you there might be a tendency that you would just keep on going keep on yes, going yes absolutely uh, hmm. but if you're able to and it could be both people that are just very different from you or people that are, are similar but they have gone through maybe a burnout because hmm. then they probably pick that up but really to get help to set up boundaries also with resting mm. and recharging, um, it's very important to plan time for that. Put that as part of your schedule. Make it a thing. And I, I think people, very many people that have a tendency to get burnout is people that want to be effective and want to do a lot of things. Yeah. So just make it part of your schedule. Make mm. it like a check thing. Don't make it as a, oh, I will see if I have time and that's just a luxury thing that you can do if you have some free time or make it part of your schedule to do those things that will make your brain rest for some time. Oh, and so I don't good. mean to watch TV only. <laughs> Even now when I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, okay, Stina, preach for yourself now because right. you need to remember those mm. things because it's mm. so easy as soon as you're doing better because i'm doing a lot better today yeah that you kind of go away from those principles and values that you learned during that time that you want mm. to live by so yeah. it's like keep coming back to them it's not only for when you're not doing well because mm. that's why i burned out because i had signals that i was not doing well that i was under too much high, uh, high stress mm. And if I would just have a what I learned then, if I would have continued with those things, maybe I wouldn't have ended up there. But I only applied them for a season when I felt that high stress. Of course, then I was more sensitive to that. And when things start to get really, really busy and intense again, mm. I didn't apply the things that I learned before. And then it really came to a place where my health got a lot worse. Mm. Then brings it into the other group, of course, people that are in this liminal space and 
There's so many things I could say. <laughs> but one thing that I've thought a lot about is that um, dare to grief. Like mm, that's so good. It's in it's okay. And and this has to do with actually tension also. Dare to grief, but also dare to hope. Uh, and also be confident in the situation that it will change. Uh, and why I say this both together is because I think they're very linked together. Mm. That grief doesn't mean that you have given up hope. Yes. That maybe yes. there was a work that you had to be, you had to go on sick leave, or maybe a project that you couldn't do, or uh, I don't know. There can be so many situations that you had to kind of sacrifice because of your health. Mm. And grief that. That doesn't mean that it will never happen again, but it means that you're grieving that it didn't become like you hoped, you wanted it to be or Mm. that you hoped for. And sometimes I think as Christians, we think that grieving is equal with losing hope, but it's not. Hmm. That's, oh, that's so good. Like it's important to like, okay, this didn't become like, and actually now I'm going to throw a whole whole other thing in there. And I was not sure if I was going to get into there or not, but. Long story short, we are also longing to to start a family and to have a baby. And me and Mick have wanting to have a baby for the last five years. Mm. And that has been part of the whole burnout uh, story in one way. It's like a, a long side with that burnout. I also been longing to become a mom. And this has been a longing since I was 14 or 15. You know, I was Mm. way too young, but I still had that longing. So that's like half of my life that I've been longing to become a mom. Mm. And that's another liminal space that I'm in right now that we bumped into problem after problem after problem. Mm. And we're we're not able to get pregnant. Uh, And it's been really, really hard. Mm. And just to give a really concrete example uh with this whole grieving part and there was a, a really good counselor that I met that said uh you have to grieve that you are not a mom and that you don't have a baby hmm. that doesn't mean that you're you're losing hope of having a baby one day you're still hoping that and you still have faith for that but it didn't become you didn't become a mom when you hoped to become a mom and you didn't have a baby when it didn't turn out like you wanted it to turn out mm. and it's okay to grieve that and process that and and take out the, like what does that do with me and how do I feel in that and and those things and then that makes you being able to hope again also you can still hope wow, for yeah. that this baby will come and I will become a mom and I'm not gonna lose that hope but it's okay to grieve also. And I think sometimes we trick ourselves that we shouldn't grieve that because then we lost hope. And I think alongside with that also to a very powerful moment. And I I think this is also really kind of giving some kind of conclusion to my whole journey of being in a liminal space. Mm. Um, because I thought a lot about what does it mean to surrender something to God? Mm. And like... Does it mean to give it up? Does it mean to not hope it anymore? And I was out walking in the forest and I felt like uh, God was like asking me a question. Like, uh, even if you wouldn't get a baby, would you still like to live then? Mm. And it's a, 
I think it sounds very different for different people depending on what situation you are in. But in that very moment, it was really real for me. Mm. Because the only thing I wanted was a baby. Right. Like, mm. right before I got burned out, that's when we started to plan for having a family. And I felt like, oh, uh, that's going to take a lot of my time. So I don't need to make, make a lot of decisions for what other work-related things I will do. And right. it affects a lot of things. And then... God is asking me this question, but in the same time as I felt that this question was really real, uh, I also felt that it doesn't mean that I have to give up the dream and the hope. To surrender something to God is not to say that I'm not hoping for this anymore. I'm not dreaming this. This could still be my highest dream. Hmm. God never asked me to give up that as a dream. But what he's asking me, do you still want to live even if you wouldn't get this baby? Hmm. Mm. And then I was like, yeah, I actually want to live. Mm. If I really think about it, like, it would be so hard to ne- not get that baby. But mm. I see many other reasons to why I would like to live. And just the whole confidence in knowing that I'm so loved by God and that he could turn any hard situation into something good. Just that confidence, knowing that, but also like... My life with Mick, like I want to continue to living with him. I, mm. Our friends and family around us, all the different ideas I have and the projects I would like to see happen that mm. I still have hopes for. Uh, and so many different things like picking blueberries in the forest or going yes. on walks with my cat and mm. like small things that is just like so fun and enjoyable. Of course, I still want to do that. Mm. And I feel like this is questions we have to ask ourselves also in the midst of those limited spaces. Things we're hoping for will change. It's okay oh, to so still hope for that and hold on to that and have that your highest dream. But... What is it to really put God first is to be okay if it doesn't end up like you're saying oh, or like you're thinking. so good. Yeah, I just, as you're speaking, I just remembered reading something about waiting. Mm. And the author was saying, uh, while we wait and mm. hope, is your focus on, and are you holding on to uh, one answer mm. or are you holding on to God? Mm. Yeah. And the whole question about like, is my character and who I am and how I treat people around me conditional to what I get Hmm. like if I know I'm gonna get a baby yeah then I can be nice to you and I can be happy when you Hmm. get pregnant or when you do this or when I can help you with something because I know I'm gonna get what I want eventually but when, when I don't know that am I gonna be like jealous and bitter and like treat people around me like and then blame it on that well because I was in this space I'm not knowing I'm using that as an excuse not saying that we are all gonna do perfectly fine in this liminal spaces but as we were saying before but still like okay what does it do what is it the the kind of person that I become as I wait Hmm. even if I don't know if I'm going to get what I'm waiting for. Yeah, so good. Yeah. And that is challenging. Mm. But it's something I, I'm dealing with every day. Cause we still don't have a baby. And of course, with the burnout, I'm doing a lot better. But I still have symptoms from the burnout. Yeah. And I still have to live with the thinking about the boundaries and stuff. Mm. Uh, but it really brings it back to the whole thing. Being true to who God has created me to be and to who I am. 
I think. Wow. I'm so blessed by your generosity in the way you've opened up yourself and shared your life, mm-hmm. but also your your wisdom and your perspective with me and with uh, all the people that would be mm-hmm. listening. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Before we finish, mm-hmm. what is your favorite city that you've visited and why? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Cape Town. There's so much like culture, mm. so much um, beauty around nature. Like I love the co- <laughs> connection with the mountains and the sea. Mm. It's amazing. You can hike, you can go on like craft markets, you see dance in the city, you wow. like so much creativity. Uh, it's a beautiful nation, beautiful people. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it has a yeah, I love it. That's great. I have never been to Cape Town, yeah. and now I'm like, oh, maybe I should put that on my list. Yeah. Uh, that's great. And my last question is, who is your favorite Nigerian? Debbie Lanark, <laughs> Queen Bee. <laughs> Literally, because that's what my name means. Uh, no, but I'm so thankful that you said yes today. I had a lot of fun talking with you. So yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very honored by that. That wraps up my time with Stina. I love the term practicing intentional presence. Regardless of your unique situation and in light of the unprecedented circumstances humanity is facing today, I believe practicing intentional presence will help us nurture a healthy perspective and give us the courage to engage with all of life boldly, fully, and with intention. I hope you can take some time to reflect on a question, a phrase, or thought that resonates with you and is applicable in your own life. Be encompassed by love and always remember that even though none of us can control everything that happens to us, we can all control how we respond.